1: You know, my sort of passion and inspiration is to be the happiest couple. I really do hope that we inspire other couples. I think so often couples get stuck because, you know, the the nature of relationship in some ways is rupture and repair. And most of us don't know how to do repair or certainly weren't modeled that. And so we end up tripping over our wounded parts versus really doing the work to help each other heal those wounded parts.
0: I'm sure I don't need to tell you that that was the voice of Dr. Megan Fleming. She shared that after I told her how moving I find her relationship with her husband, Dave. As you may recall, Megan is a New York City sex and relationship therapist with nearly two decades of experience. She has shared her expert insight here regularly for us all for the past six years, fielding listener questions and sharing her passions for pleasure and connection and she really does walk the walk. I have met Dave, and seeing the two of them together, the spark is unmissable. I remember when I was about to be introduced to him, he walked into the room, and before looking at me at all, the new person in the room, his eyes beelined to Megan's, and not in an oh-hey kind of way. They have been married for 21 years, and their doorman still jokes that they act like punch-drunk teenagers in love. One of Megan's missions is for the two of them to be the happiest couple she knows. Not to be better than anyone else, but to provide a needed role model and, of course, enjoy the heck out of what they share. Megan works with people of all relationship styles, but she specializes in helping people create hot monogamy. The very thing she and Dave have worked hard to cultivate and maintain. She will be the first to tell you that all relationships take work, and that work is not a dirty word. So as we shift away from her weekly listener segments to her monthly pleasure picks only, it seemed like the perfect time to explore that personal and professional passion of hers, hot monogamy. First, I have a question for you. When is the last time you used lube, arousal gel, massage oil, or delay spray to have more fun and pleasure in the bedroom? If the answer is never or too long, please check out Promescent. I have been so enjoying their products lately, especially their aloe-based lube. Their women's arousal gel is also really fun for some preemptive tingling where it counts before sex begins. And a friend of mine recently told me that their Climax Control Spray has been a game changer in her relationship. With her permission, here is what she said. My husband is a good bit younger than me and has always had trouble staying as hard as either of us would like. This spray takes away that frustration so that we can really just enjoy ourselves until I come first at least once, wink, wink. She added that she really appreciates that it is safe and it doesn't make her numb. To save 15% on your first promescent order, head to delayspray.com and use the code August15Off. Or click the link down in the show notes to save automatically. Go ahead and open that link now so that you don't forget to shop after you listen. Again, that's delayspray.com and the code August15Off. So, monogamy. Before we get to ways to turn up the heat, in a monogamous relationship. Including some tips that can benefit folks in most any relationship style, I think it's important to consider how you define monogamy. There is no universal definition, especially not these days. According to Google, it's the practice of or state of being married to one person at a time, the state of having one sexual relationship, common among birds. Once you have determined your own style of monogamy, you can explore ways to maximize it. As we explore hot monogamy today, we will guide with Dr. Megan's definition.
1: From my perspective, it's a committed relationship where you are in a relationship with one person, unlike you know, consensual non-monogamy or opening up a relationship or polyamory.
0: She said it's that sense of commitment to one person and includes sexual exclusivity. When I first reached out to Megan asking if she would like to explore this topic, she very enthusiastically replied, yes. Hot monogamy. Why is that term important?
1: I think it's so important because I think unfortunately, especially in the sense now culturally, we generally assume that monogamy equals monotony. And it's to recognize, no, in fact, you know, there's studies looking at couples who have been in a relationship over decades the brains can still light up and have that sense of chemistry and passion and i think so often you know we hear about the romantic phase ending and it's meant to end in romantic love and then we don't recognize that there really is the ability and capacity to keep passion in a long-term committed relationship and in my mind it's like since you know it's possible you know we certainly don't want to settle for anything less
0: some of the research she mentioned spans decades in 2005 biological anthropologist helen fisher and her team, performed MRI scans on couples. They'd been married for an average of 21 years and found the same intensity of activity in dopamine-rich brain areas, all those feel-good brain chemical places, as they found in the brains of couples who had only recently fallen in love. So why does monogamy still get a bad rap? So many jokes about marriage, for example, are really negative.
1: Right, like the ball and chain. I think it predominantly has to do, as you're saying, like we don't really have good role models for relationship, much less hot monogamy. I often call it like foreclosure of imagination. You know, relationships, if you're doing them right, are work. Work isn't a dirty word any more than sex is. It's like the things we put effort into are the things we can count on. And I think relationships and sex in particular also is about skills. And so, you know, I think it does take that sense of curiosity and commitment to create a relationship where you can have. Hot monogamy.
0: That heat can be sexual or not, but if you're starting to feel more like roommates with your partner in daily life, there's a good chance those feelings are seeping into the bedroom as well. The good news is, revving things up sexually can have a spicy ripple effect in the rest of your life. One sign that it's time to turn up the heat sexually, Megan said, is if you're starting to feel like you are stuck in a rut like every time you have sex, it feels basically the same. That's all good, she added, if it is sex that feels worth having. Even then, though, trying something new occasionally can go far.
1: You may have your favorite positions and it's sort of like your vanilla chocolate ice cream, but what about your rocky road and the recognition of expanding the menu? Like, I want everybody to have a Greek diner menu when it comes to their sexuality, so that there's always things to choose from. And so I think when you're feeling limited or bored or things feel mechanical and you really feel like the quality isn't there, it's absolutely time to turn up the heat.
0: If you are thinking, hmm, that sounds like me, it could be easy to leap to what wild things should you try together stat. But according to Megan, that is not necessarily the best first step.
1: Well, I think it starts with ourselves, right? That's why I'm such a huge fan and proponent of keeping on your inner sexy pilot light. So often we're talking about turning yourself on for sex versus what I would say is living a turned on life. And it's that idea of we're always simmering, right? We're always sort of igniting that fun, playful sexual energy, central energy, so that we really are living, feeling that sense of aliveness.
0: Dr. Megan talks about keeping your inner sexy pilot light on monogamy not equaling monotony, and work not being a dirty word, so often that her friends have come to call such phrases meganisms. One of my own friends actually said to me not long ago, well, you know what Dr. Megan would say. Her wisdom is nothing if not practical. Another mechanism I have personally appreciated and that felt really relevant here is this. The grass is greener where you water it.
1: A thousand percent. Again, our culture has this idea that the grass is greener on the other side. It's because there's this idea that somehow something is better over there. And the reality is, if you're thinking about the grass, the grass is literally going to be greener where you water it. And I think that most people in committed relationships, we tend to you know, seek the security and stability, but then we tend to take our partners for granted. Like they're always going to be there. And in some ways, it's great to be home and relaxed, but we can let it all hang out, right? And always be wearing sweatpants and and not... You know, always being a little bit buttoned up to like have a little bit of the mystery and a sense of the unexpected. So I think it's really important that as a relationship goes, you're nurturing it. You know, if you think about a garden or watering the grass, for every couple, it's different in terms of what are the things that they enjoy to do both together as well as separately, so that they're always coming to the relationship feeling sort of restored. Like you come to the relationship feeling like your cup is full versus like running on empty. Cause I feel like so many couples, They're running on empty, and by the time they get home, the partner's really just getting the breadcrumbs.
0: Watering your own grass is one thing, bringing it up to another, to your partner, that's another. So many questions Megan has fielded involve talking about something sex or intimacy related with a partner. For many of us, doing so can feel daunting for lots of reasons from cultural taboos to not having learned the best ways to communicate. These conversations, which are usually a series of conversations, they don't have to be so intimidating.
1: Listen, sex is ubiquitous. We can find it everywhere in porn and the internet. The reality is most couples are not having frank, honest conversations about their sex lives and their turn-ons and fantasies and what they'd like to explore. And so, you know, if somebody's feeling hesitant sometimes to bring something up, you know, you and I've had this conversation before. I often say, oh, I heard it on Girl Boner or I read in Cosmo or Men's Health. And then what is the thing that you feel like you want to put out there? So it could be a new sexual position. It could be a new sex toy. It could be a, even the conversation about turn-ons. The impetus for the conversation is you just read it and you got really excited about it. So you're really thrilled to be sharing it with your partner. And it feels a little bit safer because you're not just coming from the, the eye, right? This is just solely coming from me.
0: It's something external to you that you saw that spoke to you, she said. Chances are, that's true anyway, right? If not, do some research so that you can speak honestly. Plus, you might get some fun ideas. I find that approach so much better than, why don't we ever blank? Or, I've been wishing you would do blank or blank for years. Which, of course, sounds negative and complainy.
1: And heavy. And, and I think this is such an important piece is that when it comes to sexual communication and being human beings, it's not uncommon that people speak from a place of frustration or disappointment versus what we sort of refer to as the wish and the longing. So it's like, and when you touch me there and in this way, it really helps me to feel and fill in those blanks. I think we can excite and motivate our partners based on how we bring information and you know, what we're saying we want to explore and how we want to feel.
0: I love how she put that. The wish and the longing. Who doesn't want to hear something like that from a partner? We have also heard from listeners who want to spice things up, but they feel lost about the specifics. They don't have a particular fantasy, just, uh, oh, hey, a longing for that proverbial something more.
1: You know, my expression is, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. I sort of believe that uh, monogamy in relationships like the safety net that allows you to take risks and try new things like kind of going into it, excite terrified because you can feel two things at the same time. And so when you're looking for ideas, either A, just start reading erotica to get a sense of what fantasies speak to you. And then I do love that Love Honey, they have over 70 games. The great thing about games is the questions that are being asked or the dares or you know, throwing dice and it telling you what action to take. It really takes the pressure off of feeling like you have to already know and because we don't know what we don't know. And so it's just the willingness to try on a number of games to see, you know, which of the ones really speak to
0: us. That reminded me of yes, no, maybe lists, where you read over a list of activities and mark them as yes, no, or maybe. Megan often recommends the traffic light system, which is similar. You assess activities by color. Green light for yes, yellow light for maybe or with caution, or red for nope, not into that. She told me she likes yes-no-maybe lists, but she prefers an adjustment.
1: Um, I sort of say yes-no and not for now.
0: She also recommends revisiting that list every three to six months or so. Megan often sees couples who have shared turn-ons at the beginning And anything that one partner isn't into gets sort of tossed aside, even if it might appeal to both partners later on. Even sex toys, she said, often get used once. And if it's not a great experience, it's never used again. But that first time might not be the greatest because it's new. You're figuring it out and sort of spectatoring versus being present in the experience. Sure, maybe you wouldn't enjoy it the second or third or fourth time, but what if you would? If it's not
1: like this green light or like a yes, then people tend to not try again. And so when you try, try again, and you're no longer spectating, like, how's it going? What do I think? What do my partner think? And you're relaxing into something. I think more often than not, you're going to find a lot more things that speak to you both.
0: So back to monogamy as a practice. I love that more people are finding freedom in being able to choose non-monogamy or even relationship anarchy because that feels most authentic and right for them. There is still plenty of stigma and judgment around those choices, which really needs to change. But I have seen and really appreciate the progress there. Talking to Megan about monogamy brought to mind something that has felt like a really positive byproduct of that progress, something I wasn't expecting. Growing up, I learned like monogamy was the way that you have a relationship. And now there's, I guess, more discussion or more mainstream conversation about different relationship styles. What's cool about that for me as a monogamous person is, I mean, I always felt like monogamy was a choice, but now it feels to me like more precious in a way because people feel like they have more options. Do you feel like somehow when we have more choices, when we choose monogamy instead of it being like the default, that there's something more special about it?
1: Absolutely. I think, as you said, growing up, we're in a very heteronormative culture. And so I think most of us didn't even think that there was an option or a question, and we didn't even explore that for ourselves. So to your point, when you're choosing monogamy, it is not the default. It is actively being chosen. And I also say It's a decision, but it's also commitment. It's one that we make every day. And I think there's an art to it. And so, again, I think mindset is incredibly important here. What we tend to expect or think is gonna happen, it's like uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, is generally the way that often things can go. We tend to co-create our reality. And so I think when you know that, A, monogamy is a choice, I'm choosing it. And oh, by the way, it can be hot. Um, You know, I think it helps you in a daily way show up for it it's a creative process and it's you know when we say sort of the commitment that you prioritize like I always say prioritize pleasure practices right this idea of prioritizing the relationship feeling pleasure in the relationship is something that is not on the back burner it's not waiting until our to-do lists you know get done because they don't get done and so it's really that sense of we honor ourselves and our relationship and we put the time and the energy into it
0: One way to honor the relationship and keep pleasure and sexual connection a priority, Megan said, involves understanding that sexual desire is often not very spontaneous, especially if you're sharing daily life, have busy schedules, or just have a lot going on. In a monogamous relationship, you don't get those routine bursts of NRE, new relationship energy, that's common in polyamory. Some people love it and want lots and lots of it. Some people find it to be a little bit too much. But if you love it, here's the cool thing. You can experience energy that is just as fun as NRE and potentially more fulfilling if you stay mindful of sexual desire. The differences between yours and a partner's, the shifts throughout your own life, and as the relationship evolves.
1: It's ultimately about in some ways how to get each other's needs met. And so even if we're thinking sexually, it's not uncommon, one partner, right, wants to feel connected to desire sex and the other partner, sex helps them feel more connected. Like when you're getting both of your needs met, both the connection is there and the sex is there. And so it really gets into a state of flow, right? There's not the tension because you feel like each of you are getting the thing that you need that creates a sense of connection and also the desire. You know, when we're talking about hot monogamy, it doesn't always come from that spontaneous, I want to rip your clothes off, right? It's something that we cultivate. And responsive desire is often creating the space. I often sort of say scheduling the sexy time, the value of scheduling time and then being spontaneous in the moment, what would feel good and nice. And that with responsive desire, what we know is that it doesn't come from a place of wanting. You're not always coming to sex from that place. And so when your willingness or the open receptive, it's through the body. So I often say, Start with a back massage or even ask yourself, what's one small thing I can say yes to? Because when things feel good, arousal is a reflex. And once the arousal kicks in, then you're going to pick up the more spontaneous desire in that moment through the body. And so I think it's really important that people recognize there's two pathways to desire, both spontaneous and responsive. And that when we're thinking about hot monogamy, we absolutely have to remember cultivating the conditions and prioritizing them for responsive desire.
0: Something that stands out to me that Dr. Megan shared a few years ago involves her ice cream analogy. A colleague of ours remarked that boring sex can be awesome. And I remember Megan saying, I would like to shift that from boring sex. No, it's like your favorite chocolate or vanilla ice cream.
1: It's your go-to. You know, it's the thing you love just because it's the same doesn't mean that it's bad. I personally would never get sick of chocolate ice cream. So, you know, I think we have to think of it from that lens. I think what's interesting here is, you know, when it comes to masturbation, I would say the majority of people have one way they do it. Maybe two, but most people do not really explore all the different ways to give themselves pleasure. Again, most people aren't like, oh, I'm so bored of masturbation, right? Even though it's their go-to vibrator or their hand. And speaking the same thing, right? We are like, oh, you know, we, we get bored of a partner, right? Because we've been with them. We know them so well. And again, same thing. I'm like, but you don't get bored of your own hand. Our cultural ideas from a mindset perspective really sort of foreclose the imagination, as I say, of again all the possibilities.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's easy for folks to fall into a comparison trap when all you're seeing, like if you're watching mainstream porn, for example, and and you've seen all these really outrageous types of sexual acts. And you're like, but I really like missionary or whatever. That's something I've heard from numerous listeners. And I'm sure in your questions, you've noticed too, that people will say kind of an embarrassed way. Like I'm kind of vanilla. Someone recently said, I like basic sex. And I thought it's wonderful to love whatever it is you enjoy. And if you get a lot of pleasure out of making out, that is so hot. Like to hear that makes me so happy versus being like, I can only get turned on if I hang naked from a chandelier, you know?
1: I really do love this because I think, you know, it just, you said monogamy, now it's a choice in terms of sexuality. It's almost like vanilla. It's almost like there's a sexual shame in that. And it's like, wait, what? Just because we're more open to kink or BDSM and alternative lifestyles does not equal that you can enjoy and choose something that feels more basic because that's what works for you. Like you're your own expert. And so, There's no shame in what gives you pleasure. You know, one of my expressions now is compare and despair. Around pornography, we sort of say it's horrible sex education. And yet, how often are we comparing ourselves? We're supposed to last that long, right? You know, men often think that they're supposed to be larger or, you know, they won't be able to give their partner pleasure. And women are having not only an orgasm, multiple orgasms. And so I think it's so incredible that when it comes to sexuality, we're having more realistic expectations of what it looks like. Uh, which, again, you can often get through talking with friends or reading. But I think recognizing to not fall into that trap of comparing and despairing, because we always sort of say that expectations get in our own way. And it really is about together exploring what feels good and turns you on. It doesn't matter. If you guys are doing that, you're doing everything right.
0: So doing this work to make way for hot or hotter monogamy might not feel easy at first.
1: It reminds me of like that law of physics. You know, a lot of people are in inertia and it literally takes more energy to get something going. And so it's that recognition that it does require effort, but once you get the momentum, it, it really does have a life of its own. And the other thing is there's no limit to the erotic mind or erotic imagination. And so I think most of us are just not really cultivating it we're not taking the time and the energy to really explore both mentally and physically what turns us on. And so when we do that individually and do it together in a relationship, that role of like monogamy it's the safety net. Really you can take risk and sort of do that exploration. And so I think that's the mindset is curiosity, exploration, pleasure and play.
0: And as you make these efforts and feel more connected to your own sexuality and your partner, The benefits go beyond what happens between the sheets, or on top of them, or on the floor, or wherever.
1: Well, I think what you see is like a transformation, if you're really being honest, because there is a sense of aliveness. Sometimes our doormen here will joke, you know, we look like we're high schoolers because, you know, it's the eye gazing, it's the holding hands, it's the playfulness, the flirting. I just think that it's contagious. And so it's not only a gift to yourselves, but it's a gift to everyone in your community.
0: Another factor that can make a difference in long-term intimate relationships is body image. When you are no longer in that honeymoon phase or years have passed and your body has changed along with it, or if body image has been a struggle for you regardless which is so common, for a special bonus segment featuring a fun activity from Megan that you can try on your own at home to improve your relationship with your body, join me on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, the price of one fancy coffee, you can get access to that and many more bonus tips, as well as ask me anything, chances, prize drawings, and more. Every patron helps me move closer to my goal of building my team and eventually funding a trauma survivor's treatment program. Learn more and start exploring at patreon.com slash So as I mentioned, Dr. Megan Fleming will return once a month to speak about her latest pleasure picks. Here's what she shared about that series.
1: I love the Girl Boner community, and so I absolutely want to stay connected and a part of it. And so monthly, I'm going to sort of through my clinical work and research and sort of what is the newest, latest, and greatest, curating essentially each month what I consider my pleasure picks. And so, and anybody who's interested in that or to look at past months pleasure picks can go to greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure picks.
0: As a side note, one of my favorite things about that series is that Megan tries the products. She tells these fun stories about there was like this penis toy that her husband tried and he didn't think he was going to like it, but he did. She tries toys and products that normally she wouldn't go for because she knows that everyone has their own unique desires and ways of experiencing pleasure. Find a direct link to Dr. Megan's pleasure picks down in the show notes, where you can also shop over at Promescent and have some more girl boner fun. If you are enjoying the show, I would so appreciate it if you would let your friends know about it. You can also support the show by leaving a rating through iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.